Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Sally here. Uh, I'm going to welcome in. It's his favorite event of the year. He signed up way in advance. He was super excited to cover the Hero World Challenge this week. Big Randy calling in from the Mountain Time Zone. Hello, Mr. Big. Hi, it's been a minute. Thanks for thanks for allowing me on your show again today. Yeah, I get the Hero is one I circle every year, start of the year. So big, big week to get on and, and chop it up about some golf. Thank you. And I'm going to do my best to make sure a trap draw session does not break out tonight because, of course, we got Mr. TC Tron Carter here. Hello, TC. Solly, hello. I'm here to talk about a different challenge right off the top, the Dr. Pepper challenge. Uh, I just I got to get this off my chest before we get started. The, the people that push the ball, uh, they're, they're, they're chest passing the ball into the receptacle. It's a disgrace. And I can't abide by it anymore. It puts me in such a bad mood this same weekend every single year. Shout out to Dr. Pepper. Who Preach it, TC. Usurps the, uh, it. the title sponsor of tonight's episode. That's a, that's a, that's a new one, for I think. So we, <laughs> we do want to give a shout out to the real sponsor of tonight's episode, Travis Matthew. You can discover the perfect holiday gifts for on and off the golf course. They have got some of the most comfortable and versatile products on the market. They got apparel for every aspect of your life, including the golf course. Quick story, TC and I went to Dallas this week. I wore my Travis Matthew open to close pants, straight on the plane, warm straight to the golf course. Nobody even knew. Nobody knew I was getting ready to play golf. They look great off the golf course and on the course. They got fabric innovations that keep you looking and feeling your best. They got pants, polos, and outerwear. You name it, their clothing is wrinkle-resistant, quick-drying. It provides soft, lightweight stretch to help you move seamlessly throughout your day. A great blend of comfort and style that makes Travis Matthew the ideal gift this holiday season, you need to stop searching for brands that cover all the, all the bases. At Travis Matthew, you'll find everything you need from performance polos and hoodies to lightweight pants and more. So go to travismatthew.com and take 20% off your Travis Matthew order. When you use code NLU, that's 20% off your whole order at travismatthew.com, T-R-A-V-I-S-M-A-T-H-E-W.com, code NLU. Matthew has only one T in it. I have learned that lesson. So code NLU. Sorry, I'm wearing it. I'm, I'm wearing them right now, actually. We took the kiddos over to the Sawgrass Marriott because uh, they have NFL Sunday ticket and they have an outdoor porch. I was chasing the kiddos around wearing the, wearing the Travis Matthew uh, pants. There you go. The sweatpants, the hoodies are fantastic. Guys, I need your help tonight because usually I have somewhere I really want to go with the, the, the lead tournament of the week, if you will. I don't even know what the lead tournament of the week is, but... I'm struggling to make sense of Victor Hovland's career. I mean, I'm more confused than ever. He now has, it's really hard to like lay it out. He has technically, I don't know if technically or untechnically, five PGA Tour wins, three official, two unofficial, back-to-back Hero World Championships. He's won twice at Mayakoba. He's won in Puerto Rico. He has 66 starts inside the United States, inside the 50 United States, and he's never won one. And he has 12 PGA Tour starts outside of the United States, and he's won five of them. Help me, help me make sense of this. I, I don't think there is anything. I, he's a, yeah. you know, back-to-back heroes, man. He's like the White Lotus. He only wins at resorts. I was going to say... Sure that landed, <laughs> I've never seen the White Lotus. So. Oh, okay. I, I should have given you a courtesy um, laugh there. Is it easier him, golf courses? Track. 
Is it is that what it is? Like you know, faster greens, you know, more classic U.S. courses. I'm not, I'm not pretending the PGA Tour goes to uh, the most classically designed places, but you know, is there something to you know maybe more country club setup compared to a resort style that fits Hovland's game, allows them to not chip? I I don't know if it's like a big coincidence or if there's a huge correlation here. I think the one that kind of makes you throw that out a little bit is Mayakoba, though, because that's not an easy golf course and it's very different from say Albany, which is relatively open off the tee and you've got kind of the the fairways going into that wasty sandy area whereas Mayakoba is like you got to hit it in the fairway and then you got to like hit the shit out of your irons yeah. so that's probably the outlier there but yeah I mean five um I don't know and like he only beat what 20 guys I don't even know if it's I you think know. it's 19 guys that he beat yeah so it I mean, I struggle a little oh, bit. Oh yeah, that, let's just right? let's just go right to that because I struggle whether or not to like even count this result. Like, does it matter in a guy's career? It's usually like kind of like the footnote of he's got five wins plus a Hero World Challenge. Like, it's not nothing yet. It's not like a full tour win. And I I I, I struggle with this event in the in the context of the entire conversation we've had this year around world ranking points and everything like that. And. I get this question a lot as to why this event has world ranking points, and I, I don't have the answer to that. And where, where, where do you guys stand on that? Should this event have world ranking points? The, Tiger was asked about this at his presser this week, and he just punted on the – he's like, oh, yeah, they, 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 they told us what we needed to do, and we, and we got it. So uh, I just don't know how we got here that this, this event gets world ranking points. You can have my very amateur opinion. I, I like in a vacuum, right? If Without context, if you took 20 of the best players in the world – and played a four-round stroke play event, then sure, I can see getting world ranking points. I think where the little bit of context comes in is end of the calendar year, you know, a place down in the Caribbean. It just, I don't want to say guys aren't like trying because I, I, I think they're trying, but it's got a little bit of an all-star game feel to it for me. And yeah. When that's the case, it's tough to like really go to bat for world ranking points, in my opinion. Which is kind of weird too. Like, why why even play a four round stroke play uh, yeah. event like for this? Do something fun or do something you know kind of off the wall. I just that's that's where I don't get with it. Like, yeah, I mean, look at Max for instance. Like, Max is showing up. He's got a, a newborn, and it's like you know I'm I'm not sure how much he's touched a club here of late, but it's a nice end of year paycheck. Right, they're topping up the bank account. Which I'm, I'm guessing the answer to your question, Randy, is that they do the four round, uh, you know, four round tournament because it is that that's how they got world ranking points. I, I had to dig into this. I had to figure out, you know, Tiger again. What Tiger referenced in there, like we had to go way back in the Chevron World Challenge days. You know, the tournament was in existence for several years before it got points, uh, and I guess it was the the ranking board approved the request with a stipulation that to receive ranking points, it must take uh, 16 players off the world ranking with no exemptions. And then for the larger, uh, for, the, for a larger field, the exemptions must go to players in the top 50 in the world. And the official said Chevron plans to have eight, an 18 man field in 2009 with two exemptions. That's from Jeff Shackelford's article in 2008. So basically it was like, I don't know what exactly what the field was before that, but they said, yeah, if you can get, like the top 16 go straight off the world ranking list. And that so there is qualification for it, right? Yet I just don't know if like why 16 is the number, why that's the magic number to should count because like it, it adds way more confusion to this conversation uh, than it does help uh, get provide any clarity. I guess that would be one of my questions. And maybe one of you two can help educate me is why 
why is this such a small field? Why you know why yeah. don't they bump it up to sixty? You know, sixty four guys or something like that. I, I I'm not entirely sure on that because I feel like the whole the whole deal is it's a guaranteed paycheck, right? So you're only splitting a limited purse amongst twenty guys versus you know. But like like where I get to with it is. Like like most everything with the with the OWGR these days, it just makes it feel very arbitrary and subjective, right? Like it, it's like they're making up the rules as they go along, and like and we're right back to the last place dude in this event who didn't beat a single that person, sucks. including a couple of like sponsor exemptions <laughs> to round out the field, gets world gets world ranking points for this. Like that's insane. That they had that was an a flaw in the old system. That had gone away in some way. I think it was even WGCs where guys were automatically getting world ranking points just for showing up, which is just wrong. Like the whole thing should be about you earn amount of points for beating, you know, a, a, a certain caliber of player. And it, it does. It, again, there's a lot of noise about OWGR right now, and I think that it, a lot of people addressing, kind of looking at the result of how points are distributed, and pointing to the flaws in it. How the heck does Dubai get less points than the RSM? When in reality, I think the answer to these to solving a lot of these issues is changing the distribution of points. I've said this the last few weeks. Changing the distribution of points uh, in the limited field events, where it's more top-heavy towards the top of these events, which would have helped the top players in Dubai, as uh, Rom was wanting. And then for, like, for this event, that would prevent giving out too many points to the 20th place guy that beat nobody. So it it's... Which, like, and they clearly knew that that was an issue four or five years ago when they right. fixed it. And then they came up with this new system and like created the issue know, all over again and then didn't fix it. Great. And you know I feel passionately about this because Tommy Fleetwood was the guy that finished 20th. <laughs> and so I'm all for him getting points usually. But man, like <laughs> even Tommy, like hand up, man. He, that that sucks. And uh, again, the, uh, a point to be made about this, and I, I know this is the go-to event for the Live Boys that want to compare this to Live. Like, you do have to qualify for this event. Like, you know, and there's a couple sponsor exemptions, but it goes to the top-ranked players in the world. There is a, and this is one event in a tour full of so much qualification and so many qualified players to be there. I, I just need all you boys out there to understand how big the gap is still between this event and live. Yet I also hear you and that this event does not need world ranking points. It should be an end of season hit and giggle. Solly's Solly's standing up. This is a meritocracy. God damn it. This is not a kleptocracy. It made more sense in the, so at this, in the old system, this was the time of the year when the European, the DP world tour guys racked up a ton of points right before the close of the year to get into the top 50 to get master's exemptions out of it. Now that they can't rack up nearly as many points near the end of the year in the new system, this is not this is not helping level the table anymore. This is this is tilting the favor too far and strong of the PGA Tour, and that there's just no reason either it should have this many points or the distribution should be the way that it is. That's my opinion. Thank you. Thank you. You're, that's that's you're, big of you, Saul. You're welcome. I don't know <laughs> I don't know why you're thanking me for this, but... No, I, I don't know. I just feel like, like I, I saw Nosferatu on Twitter today, our OWGR, you know, expert god said that somebody like on the Asian tour would have to win 20 times in two years to get up inside the top 50, which seems like maybe a little bit extreme. I mean, 20, 20 wins, like... <laughs> it's a lot. That, that would be that would be pretty... Like 20 wins in 40 events, basically. Where, you know, may, like maybe that should be like 10 wins or 12 wins. <laughs> or I think you should get an auto exemption. 20 seems a little extreme. Uh, 
you know, I, I don't like I don't disagree with the math there. Like that seems like a lot. Yet at the same time, under the old system, you could get into the top fifty without ever having played any of the top fifty. You could, it's basically like totally. UCF. The UCF could win the national championship. Oh. Yeah. God, they just caught us straight. straight. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I bet you hate Liberty and Coastal Bring, Carolina. Of course, it's me that switches the conversation to football. Now we're never going to be able to get it back to golf. But I mean, Boise State, what did they ever do? So, yeah, it, it, it look, it, you got to beat the best players in the world to get to the top. You know, and I get it. Like, the OWGR was propping up golf a lot better around the world to this point, and it's not going to be the case anymore. And if, if, if people want to make the case that the OWGR should be doing that, I don't like necessarily disagree. It's just like not in the mandate of what they're trying to do as well. And that's, I, well, I feel like the mandate is to get the best field, you know, into the majors. But I do think I, I totally agree with you that there was, it was way too weighted towards the rest of the world prior. Now I feel like it's creating a closed circuit, a closed system where it's going to be too hard to break in and it's not going to like, and it's just, you know, it's going to lead to like the death of some of these other tours. Basically, where like, unless you're like, it's like I don't know how the DP World Tour is gonna survive, you know, after the next four or five years. Well, that's where I think the strategic alliance, in theory, would come in. Like the PGA Tour should be taking over some of the responsibility of the survival of that tour. But but I'm not sure that the PGA Tour really even. I'm cares not either. Yet you know, if they're gonna you know? elevate these events, I, I I'm gonna keep saying this until somebody from the tour messages me after one of these podcasts. Like, hey, here's why this is not gonna happen. I'll keep saying it. You need to have some of these uh, these coast. You need to have more co-sanctioned events at the DP World Tour and elevate those. Like, you need to share the yep. wealth with this tour that is now feeding your tour. Right? They have to get something out of this deal. I think it was like, a lot of people. You know, are kind of clowning on Pelly a little bit to say, you know, they've you know basically become a feeder tour to the PGA Tour. It's like. Dude, the alternative here was not a great one. Again, it's kind of like the changes to the PGA Tour. The status quo was, was going to go out the window on this. The DP World Tour was in serious, serious trouble. And so, like, this... Well, I mean, Pelly should have just gone with the Saudis. Like, honestly. That was, that was his option. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah I, I wonder... I do wonder, though. I mean, of course, the, the Saudis are saying that they made this offer of whatever and blah, blah, blah. And I'm sure it was not as easy as, like, here's a billion dollars with no strings attached and, and it's going to go exactly the way you sure. want it to. But um, yeah, as, as I, I'm glad to see you ex uh, agree with Sergio that this whole tour is fucked and uh, you should have taken the Saudi <laughs> money. <laughs> Listen, I love the, I like, I love the Euro tour. I love the deep world tour. Like that's, that's why I'm pissed off about all this. Right. Yeah. Are you, are you pissed off about it though? Like I, I, I what is to be, what are you pissed off about if that is the case? No, I just feel, I don't know. I just feel like it's a little bit of a slap in the face to the rest of the world where like it's basically sending the message of like, if you want to be one of the top 50 players in the world or top 75 players in the world, you have to come play in the United yep. States, period, point blank. And like, I, you know, I don't know if that's a great message to send. Like if, if somebody wants to play golf on a, like the European tour has a great history and an excellent track record. And yeah, like they've, they've gotten absolutely boned the last decade plus by, you know, currency and you know the economies and you know sponsorship stuff in covid but you know and, and and really like a lack of strategy as far as trying to own the rest of the world and not really having any critical mass anywhere but man i, I don't know i just it sucks for golf i guess a little bit right where it's you know there's the, there I, I think there's a certain loss there i mean perfect example is this week like the the hero world challenge every year goes up against the australian open which sucks, right? Like I love, like the Australian Open should be one of the best events on the entire calendar, in my opinion. And 
it's, you know, it's not. It's the, It was the first event on the DP World Tour schedule for, you know, the following year. And, you know, it, it's just like it, it, it was such a bummer turning that tournament on on, uh, I guess that was Thursday night when I first turned it on. And it's like, holy shit, this is like, these are some of the best golf courses in the world, prime conditions. It's like, you know, summer down there right now. And none, like none of the top players are there. It's, it's tough, you know? And I think that's, that's, that's to the detriment of golf at large. I agree with you. And I thought about this a lot this past week and where I kind of net out on a lot of this is like, how I also feel about like Bandon should have a U.S. Open and uh, you know Cypress Point should have a tour like right like on the surface that makes total sense and I want that yet the business reality of it seems really far away from that so like what is uh, what is the solution to that right the purse this week was a million and a half for e- for the men and a million and a half for the women in the Australian Open and so I'm just it's just like. The yeah. realist in me is saying, comparing this to, like, all right, the, the easy answer with PGA Tour should have an event in Australia, right? The easy answer here is there's $20 million events being put up all over the U.S. next year. What would the purse have to be to get the top players in the world to go down there and play the Australian Open? Other than, like, make it a major, how, how would we do that? I want that. How would it happen? I think it would happen just like what the PGA Tour is doing with a lot of these other events, right? They'd have to net up the, the purse, yeah. right, from, from you know, from the coffers. I, I like I it just rings a little hollow when these guys say we don't want to play that much in the off season or in you know, you know, November, December, and then sixteen of the top, you know, however many in the world show up the first weekend in December and play in the Bahamas. Like you can't have it both ways, guys. I'm guessing Tiger has a lot to do with that. If Tiger's name wasn't on Totally, there, but yeah. also like I don't know, I feel like Tiger needs to set a better yeah. example as well. Like I mean, here like Hero's a freaking Indian company too, right? Like they're they're sponsoring the the Hero Cup, the the you know kind of the the prep event for the Euros and the and the Brits to uh, you know pr- uh, prep for the the uh, Ryder Cup. Like you know, I mean they're they're obviously willing to spend money on golf around the world. Just like Tiger wants to have this event in the Bahamas, and you know, I mean, shit, Randy's guy SBF was down there. <laughs> The whole week, it's like, it, you know? it's, I'm a little sensitive right now, Tron. But yes, he <laughs> he most most definitely is my boy. Sorry, I don't I don't know the answer, but I think the only way an Australian Open this time of year is going to become a marquee event is the PGA Tour drastically we reworking their their schedule and really their philosophy with what they're trying to do, which. You know, we can we can discuss that. I I wouldn't mind if they did do that, but I, yeah, short of that, it's I, I'm not sure the workaround. I guess I think that would be fantastic. I think if if the Australian Open was an elevated twenty million dollar event that they all agreed to go play, and it was a co-sanctioned with the DP World Tour, that would be fantastic. I I don't know. I don't know if that's realistic, right? I would I would hope that to work. I really would, and I hope that. As the years go by, they start to make this thing more global. If it's outside of these elevated events, the chances of them all getting together or any group getting together is so unbelievably small now, right? That is a casualty of, and that's where I, I've just struggled internally of like this consolidation of all the top players all at once, you know, playing at the same time is, I think, a good idea. Yet 
there is the casualty of this is like going to be heavily centralized golf, right? We don't like how spread apart the PJ tour events are and how much golf all around. Like I enjoy different aspects of golf all around the world. Yet at the same time, like it sucks to tune into the Australian open and see that kind of field for it. Right. So I just don't know what the, there, there is no easy solution and I don't know what the, what the real solution is. I mean, some of it though feels like, like, do we need two events at the beginning of the year in Hawaii? Like, I mean, shit, F1 starts in Melbourne every year, right? And, like, I'm not, like, maybe the Australian Open needs to move to, to early January, start the season there, and then, you know, everybody kind of, you know, like, it's it's kind of an olive branch. Or you don't even have to make it an elevated event every year, but make it an elevated event that, you know, kind of, like, a certain national open every year takes on the mantle of an elevated event and rotates every three to four years. All I'm saying is it, it just feels... You know, we can go to Japan, we can go to Korea, and I know there's sponsorship dollars there, but I, I think at some point if the tour said, hey, you know what, we're going to make this worth it for guys to go down there. It's important. It's part of the, you know, the like the whole international golf scene. I just think it's it would happen, right? And, you know, they're trying to make it happen with another President's Cup down there. I think, you know, that it sounds like the governor, the, the government of Victoria is trying to put up some money to make that happen. And, you know, it, for, t- what, 20... Was that 2026 or no, sorry, 2028. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, it's important if you say it's important, right? <laughs> and they just won't say it's important. And I think that there's a big difference here in like 2023, 2024 plan and like 2031 maybe, right? Like does, does do yeah. things consolidate and become a world global tour? Uh, I don't see that in the next two years, right? I, I think that maybe they're going to inch their way into that with, you know, some hopefully with some co-sanctioned uh, events, you know, elevated events that travel a little bit. But I also think if these tour, if these American, a lot, it's mostly American-based tour top tour player, players that are kind of leading the charge on this, and I include Rory in that, despite the fact that he's a European. If you can go stand up a bunch of twenty million dollar tournaments without having to get a passport out, I'm, I have a feeling those guys are going to prefer that. So I'm not saying that's right. Totally. It's just like and that's the guys making the decisions right now. All I'm saying is there's a responsibility once you go from being the, you know, one of the dominant tours in the world to being the dominant tour in the world and exerting that influence on the world golf rankings and consolidating all this power that you got to pay it. For, you got to pay it back or pay it forward a little bit. Right, like you got, you got to start thinking like you're a steward of the game and not just a steward of the 125 guys that have PGA Tour. Cards. I would say once you've shored up your uh, existence, yes, like I still think they're fighting a little bit for their existence. Decently solid ground right now, yet it's again a couple dominoes fallen and things could still look very, very different for the PGA Tour, including if they can't get this 2024 schedule figured out. I think that that. You know, I, I think they're a long ways away from thinking along those lines. You know, I, I wish it wasn't the case, but I just don't think it's uh, like what they're. I don't. I doubt the tour, the tour pros that are like starting to call the shots are like, yo, we really need to start paying this forward. Uh, I just. I, no, I know. I, I know. Just, I hear you. I think it's a good point, Tron, and I totally agree with you. I, I, I think to me it comes back to the incentives of the PGA Tour leadership and. I, I just don't think anything really is going to change like we're talking about until they have a different directive than let's try to maximize the number of starts for guys. Because if, if you really want to start creating like what would an ideal PGA Tour look like as far as number of events and where it just runs smack into they have one incentive, which is to just maximize starts, it feels like. So I don't know. 
I, I'm not very optimistic about anything changing <laughs> anytime soon. Nor am that's, I. That's, I'm more beaten down than disagreeing with you, TC, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you. And it would seem like if you, if you, if, if you're ever going to be like in an existential crisis where, you know, you might have your future is up in the air. Like if, if we can't make the drastic wholesale changes now, then I, you know, I don't think they're ever going to be made. <laughs> it's just funny to me that like, like, you know, professional tennis players play all over the world. Yeah. Every year, you know, like race car drivers are racing all over the world every year going 200 miles an hour in different time zones. And I think the thing that just like looking back at, at say, like when they had the, the President's Cup at Royal Melbourne and we couldn't even get the top guys to go down for the Australian Open yeah. that year. You know, like Tiger said, you nope, we're having the hero the week before. It's like, fuck, man, come on. <laughs> I think that's just a, a product of having so many gl different global tours and not one big global organization, right? I mean, it'd be like if there was an F1. I mean, I, I don't want to make the analogy. I'm sure I'll make a horrific one, you know. But if there's a different racing league in all different parts of the world, then, yeah, it's just not going to have the same global footprint, I guess. But a lot more to talk about. But one of those things is, of course, Roback Activewear. You know Roback. These guys understand quality. You see it in pretty much all of our videos to these days. Best fit, best feel. Their performance polos, they're in our shop right now. They fit so much better than your typical boxy polos. They got four-way stretch that is next level. The material is super soft while staying wrinkle-free. Second, the performance quarter zips are a game-changer. Nothing beats a fall round of golf in a Roback Cusick. They're soft. They're stretchy. They're comfortable. And lastly, the performance hoodies. I actually got, I, got, I need to start getting a calendar out to schedule out when I'm wearing the hoodies so I, I, I get them properly spaced out because they're just the easiest go-to in the closet. Can't take them off, and for good reason. They're simply the best hoodies in the game, and they're gaining traction big time. So use code NLU at Roback.com for a generous 20% off your first order. That is Roback.com, R-H-O-B-A-C-K.com, 20% off polos, Q-zips, hoodies, and more with code NLU. They got joggers, vests, and shorts. I'm wearing their shorts right now, too. So Roback.com, code NLU. We got some polos uh, in our shop right now, too, the, the, the Koopa polo that is exactly uh, rowback right. it's fine we didn't even get to minute it feels like forever ago we got a lot to cover because we didn't do a recap last week as well but tiger had to withdraw this week with plantar fasciitis um he said uh so i had to shut it down and unfortunately be the host of the event and ranger rick out there uh which <laughs> he, he said, said ranger rick i did not hear it in the presser i watched the presser and i missed it it was just like one of his first answers uh he he, he did say I, I get to be ranger rick out there um he did spit like plantar fasciitis well, sucks. Can I, Tiger? What does like, it mean? What does that mean to be Ranger Rick out there? I I thought the whole <laughs> thing was when you're striping it on the range. I thought so too, but now I think it means he thinks he's a course ranger. Oh, okay, all right. He's trying to be hitter. Well, that's weird because the most famous time he has used the phrase Ranger Rick in the past was purely like hitting balls on the range. Yeah, all right, whatever. <laughs> Look. I will say plantar fasciitis is like, I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy. My wife has it right now and uh, like she can barely walk. It's, it's, it feels like somebody's stabbing you through the bottom of your foot every time you put your heel down. Don't love it. That's truly terrible. Um, I should say with Tiger, with, this was in Tiger's uh, joint presser with uh, Dr. Munjal, of course. So, 
Dr. Moonjaw's got some of the best hair on the planet. Uh, I was upset to see in the 11-page transcript that Dr. Moonjaw did not receive any questions from uh, any of the journalists there. So be better, golf media. Come on. We need to get to the bottom of, the, bottom of some of these things. Um, he did say some interesting things in the press conference. If you'll allow me, he uh, made a call for Greg Norman to go. Uh, it sounds a whole heck of a lot like uh, the language that Rory has been using. He said, I see that there's an opportunity out there if both organizations put a stay on their litigation, but that's the problem. They've got to put a stay on it, and whether or not they, they do that or not, there's no willingness to negotiate if you have a litigation against you. So if they both have a stay and then have a break and then they can meet and figure something out, then maybe there's something to be had. But I think Greg has to go, first of all, and then obviously litigation against us and our countersuit against them those would have to be at a stay as well, so then we can talk. We can talk freely. He's he's using the TC talking points, going after third leg Greg, saying he's got to lose his job, talking about the OWGR. Next thing you know, he's he's going to be calling for Jay's job too. <laughs> Uh, I still, does anyone know what reconciliation with Liv looks like at this point? I still don't understand it. I, he was kind of asked it and didn't really answer it as well. I've not heard any of the people that are, are calling for this to come to the table. Uh, come to, like, maybe they don't want to put it out there. What, what a good, you know, mediation would look like. Do you guys have any, as your insight, you know, your outlook on this change at all as to what a reconciliation with Liv would look like at this point? I, I, I mean, obviously i just off the top of my head here, but I, I do think a reconciliation would have to look like, you know, the, the, the PGA setting their elevated events, right? The, the live tour setting the dates of their, however many events and kind of staying out of each other's way on certain predefined weekends. And then beyond that, I think allowing, the live guys i what's weird is it's you don't really see like a two-way street and maybe that is part of it is guys are free to play the live events and then the live guys are free to play the pga events but i like that's i don't know how else they coexist right like it's it's got to come down to that at some point which to a certain extent the live guy like the live schedule is already kind of an olive branch. A hundred percent. If we're going to give live a little credit there, right. their events do not go up against the biggest tour events. And that's now granted that's, that's kind of, you know, beneficial. That's, on, exactly. On that's too, strategic right? on their end. And that was under, with the assumption that they might be able to, that some of these guys would be able to, you know, a part of the recruiting was like, these events are not going up the big against the big events and you guys will be able to play both. Totally. It just turned out to not be the case, but I, I just can't see there being any reconciliation when, these guys have monetized it the way that they have, and guys like Tiger or Rory or you know JT or Spieth haven't gotten paid out. Like you know, there's there's a there's a there's in granted, yeah, they've gotten netted up by the tour to a certain extent, but um, and the other guys have had to make sacrifices with regard to sponsors and you know and, and the like. But it just seems like there's as long as that's the case, you know, when when Tiger said, hey, I could have taken this and, and, and made $850 million or whatever. You know, it just seems like that's going to be always at odds. Yeah, right? I, I still see it as I don't think the tour has much to gain from reconciliation right now. Um, I think the live guys have way more to gain out of being able to play both tours. Yeah. And the tour is probably should be pretty thrilled with who they've still retained. Would Cam Smith and Dustin Johnson and Bryson and Brooks help a lot? Would Phil help a lot? Yes, but not in their current state. Like, I just don't, 
uh, I, again, I, I don't know. You, a back-and-forth system or a system where they're allowed to play on the PGA Tour has so many consequences beyond like the sh- very short term of, sure, why wouldn't you want Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith playing with the best players in the world? Uh, I would want that. I wish these guys did not go and, and, and play on this tour, but uh, there's a there's hell to pay if that all of a sudden becomes allowed because uh, they have taken a hard-line stance, and maybe you can disagree with that, but again, the whole structure of the PGA Tour is held up by uh, owning those media rights and grouping these players together for the mass good of, of these players. So, And looking down the leaderboard at the Hero this week, there's there's plenty of good players on the PGA Tour still. Like, I'm not missing – like, yeah, I'm missing Patrick Reed allegedly improving his lie at the Hero. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that was one of the headlines of, of the year a few years ago. Or, you know, Bryson doing a bunch of nonsense. But really, for the most part, there's maybe three, four, five guys – that I miss, and otherwise, it's you know everybody that I want to watch is on the PGA Tour for the most part. Bryson's definitely missed. Like if Bryson was in the hunt today, that'd yeah. been interesting. I guess my fear is also with Bryson that he's kind of done. I you know golf wise, I just don't. Maybe he'll maybe he'll get it back, but man, he's not been very. He's not had much to uh, you know hang his hat on for the last I don't know eighteen months or so, which also sucks. Will you read these these Tiger answers in Tiger voice? <sighs> That's a lot to do. I'm not the best Tiger impersonator, but I can try. But uh, on reconciliation with Liv, again, when uh, when asked if they can coexist, is uh, right now, as, as is, no, not, not right now. Not with their leadership, not with Greg uh, in there and animosity towards the tour itself. I can't do it. See, that's way too much pressure. I can get oh, it. Oh, I, just, I, I just don't see that I happening. Just I just don't see oh. it happening. As Roy said, and I said as well, uh, I think Greg's got to leave. And then we can eventually hopefully have a stay between the two lawsuits and figure something out. But why would you change anything if you got a lawsuit against you? They sued us first. <laughs> Then on the OWGR, he says, yeah, it's a flawed system. That's something we all recognize. The field of Dubai got less points in Sea Island, and more of the top players were there in Dubai. So obviously there's a flawed system. How do you, f- Preach, how do you fix it? Preach, you know, baby. there are meetings we're going to have to have. We're going to have to have it uh, with the old uh, World Golf Committee and as well as our, the main tours that are involved in it somehow to come up with a better system than it is now in place. Which... Yeah, wow. it's throwing uh, it's throwing some a little bit of flames on the on the fire here. That uh, again, it's just he's he's oversimplifying the OWGR. I think is what I would say to this, and I think it seems like Rory has thought this out more than Rom and and Tiger have thought this out. But again, I think it can be what he's talking about can be addressed with fixing the distribution of points in limited field events. Uh, Mark Cannizzaro managed to get this out with Phil's balls in his mouth, which was actually pretty impressive. Uh, allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly. He said, uh, this is from the New York Post, uh, get Mark Cannizzaro. A guy you know, like Mickelson, for example, obviously is the face of that, and he took a lot of criticism, and he's taken most of the bullets for that, so to speak, and he was criticized heavily by players on the tour for whom it now will be more, a lot more money at tournaments because of him shaking that tree. Do you feel like to some degree they owe an apology for that or – and he gets cut off. No, ab- absolutely not. Uh, we took out an enormous loan during the pandemic in which that if we had another year, the pandemic, our tour would would uh, only be sustained for another year. So we took out an enormous loan. It worked. And it paid off in our benefit. Hence, we were able to use that money to make the increases that we've made. Fact checking here. The tour did not take out an enormous <laughs> loan. I don't know where Tiger's getting this. It's amazing that both Phil and Tiger both had this very wrong as Phil was tweeting at Kyle Porter this week who was – uh, you know, tweeting out some of these quotes during the presser. During the right? presser. So I'm guessing that Phil is texting Canizaro all of these things to say, and we didn't get the answer that he wanted. Uh, you know, he, he threw out some also unreconcilable numbers uh, in a tweet to Kyle Porter about how many assets the tour has. And 
I think Phil just wants to cash out his retirement early. That's like the basis of it. He keeps pretending like assets on the tour's balance sheet are just free and clear and should be distributed to players without understanding how the how the pension program works. But they should let him take a balloon payment, <laughs> take a little haircut on his on his pension, and and uh, but no, I mean I, it sounds like Tiger mistook enormous loan for laying off some you know people around the global home and trimming and trimming some stuff and freezing raises and dipping into you know, the reserve doing some stuff dipping into the reserve there. is like yeah. taking out a loan and like it, it's a way of phrasing it that's not very accurate but it's also like how we talked about in the podcast with harry higgs this past week of you're, you're borrowing from the future a little bit to pay these purses up this next year like it's the, the money is set to go up a lot and it's going to be just a smoother increase over the next seven years probably than was probably initially planned uh, because they needed some quick wins, basically, um, and are, are a bit of borrowing from the future as the TV deal goes up and up and up every year is kind of. It's it, it's what it's why Al Gore talked about the Social Security lockbox. You know, we need a lockbox, so we can't borrow against the future <laughs> like that. TC does. I, I like that one. That one that one's working for me. A few other things he said. Uh, I can hit the golf ball and hit whatever shot I want. I just can't walk. Couldn't get any steps. <laughs> That's such a good quote. <laughs> Like, in the pantheon of Tiger quotes, I think that, I mean, it's top 10 already, I think. <laughs> the next part, it's even better. So when I was at home, I was shooting four, five, six, seven under par like it was nothing. But, but I was in a cart. Now you add in walking, and that goes away. I need, I need to get to where I, the point where I can actually walk around and play that way like all you guys can. I'm just, I'm just not able to do that right now. Um, I also don't know how you get there with a, a leg that seems barely attached to him, but like it was funny. There were some people going after him, like, like, oh yeah, it's like, yeah, like of course he has plantar fasciitis. He's probably going to get turf toe next year because he's overcompensating for plantar fasciitis. Like, there's all these these downstream effects from having, you know, like a leg and a knee and a and a and an ankle that are completely fused and like don't work properly. It's like it's going to start affecting other shit, right? Yeah, and uh, I he was asked about riding in a cart in a PGA Tour event, and uh, is it Tiger? Could you have played this week in a golf cart? He's say again. Uh, could you have played this week <laughs> with a golf cart? He said, "Yeah, uh, but you won't. You won't play this week, but you would at the father son." I I, I, I can't hear you. Um, and then he said, "Yeah, the father son is a sanctioned senior event, so they can all use golf carts." And he he doubled down, basically saying like. I voted against, you know, uh, Casey Martin using a cart. He said, I think walking is part of golf and um, will not be riding in a cart in PGA Tour events, which I I would urge him to reconsider that. I can understand why he has that position, but uh, if you want to talk about, like, one bullet the, the PGA Tour has left in the chamber, it's bring that guy out to ride around a cart and play PGA Tour events, which... I'm sure that's a slippery slope, but if we can't make an exception for that guy, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing here. I think props to Tiger. Like, I don't, you know, I don't think he should be out there if he can't walk. Like, you know, it's just that's it is what it is, right? And it makes it that much more, um, you know, fleeting that we get to see him. But it's like this year, like I doubt he, you know, I I would imagine he's probably not going to play Oak Hill, right? It's mid May in in upstate New York. Uh, I would imagine he plays Hoylake, and I would imagine he plays LACC and the Masters, and I'd love to see him play Harbortown. I keep saying this, but, like, there's no easier walk out there than Harbortown. Yeah, I can see him clicking that one off. TP Sawgrass would make sense, right? I guess it just depends on... It sounds like he needs, like, legitimate, like, a month of rest after every time he plays, right? So that uh, yeah. would probably... Which, which is why Harbortown doesn't Probably work, doesn't right? make sense. <laughs> uh, it's why the players probably doesn't make sense as well. So I... 
Honestly, if we saw him outside of those three events that you mentioned this next year, I'd be surprised. I think that's probably the the what we the best expectation we could have is that he'd play three of those, which is crazy. Like that'd be two straight years of just no. He may not like. Is he ever going to play another PGA Tour event again? I would say yes. I bet he gets a wild hair. At yeah, some maybe point. like the Genesis one year or something. Yeah, I, it is an interesting. I think it's an interesting conversation. We don't have to get too far into it. Just about the the carts on tour and whether a person like i i still think that's a very interesting topic to discuss how much of a uh walking is a part of professional golf yeah and i don't know the answer I, I i know I, that's why yeah. i'm like i don't really know because i can see both i i can see it both ways where you know we we there, there's a physical nature to pretty much every other sport right um it, it should be that way in golf. And then, you know, somebody like a Casey Martin, for instance, or like a Tiger Woods now, right? Uh, the the idea that using a cart is perhaps like a competitive advantage, I, I guess I don't really buy that because I think any competitive advantage is negated by the the disadvantage of having, you know, a, 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 a some type of injury from birth, some type of, muscular skeletal disorder uh in the case of tiger you know some some very traumatic injuries i i don't know you know we saw this with oscar pistorius in the olympics right i i don't there's no clean answer but i think it is fascinating well and it's a weird thing too when you juxtapose like like i'm kind of wrestling here with myself where i'm pro casey martin having a cart because it's something that, you know, like it's so laborious for him to get around the golf course anyway, even in a cart, that, you know, I, I think that, yes, like he should be able to apply his craft for whatever reason for Tiger, maybe because it's more of a recent injury and more of something that's been sustained in the latter part of his career that I don't think he should be allowed to, and I don't think he will, right? Because I feel like he's always prided himself on being the tough guy or being, you know, and... But, like, it's just an interesting juxtaposition between if you're born or have, you know, have something that is, you know, unchangeable or that, you know, is a is a lifetime affliction versus something that happens to you along the way, how we treat those differently. And, 100%. Yeah. My only thing with this is truly, like, I'm truly asking for an exception for Tiger because I don't <laughs> know who the person that stands up that's like, I don't want this. This is unfair. It's not worth – we do not want this guy in the field – uh, riding around a car. This would be this would be bad for everyone if this happened. I think it's truly I don't like care what the rule is. Literally, I think it's just like make in all times to make an exception in this weird time. We got Tiger, we're letting him ride around the car. Nobody ask any questions. We can all agree on that, right? Let's nobody ask any questions. Let's have this happen. I think that's the same conversation they had when they gave OWGR points to the hero. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had tried, I was going to say it, it's, yeah, that's what makes it interesting is with a guy like Tiger, who obviously there's some pride there, or like a John Daly, right, who could be argued, you know, how much did your lifestyle play into your yeah. your current condition? I, I guess I would like to see more of a, this is just selfishly, and again, this, this just speaks to people who are able to walk. Like, I, I wish we would lean into the walking aspect of golf, and let's make American golf, like, more of a walking sport, which, of Preach. course, will, will not happen. But, you know, <laughs> I, if, if, if we have it that way at the top, right, at, at the top of the game, then 
certainly we can kind of try to work that spirit down into, you know, the everyday people. I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting. Let's get debate. rid of the shark experience. <laughs> yeah. the, the shark experience is is a stain on this yeah, great country. Yeah. Anything else you guys have from uh, from the hero? Any concerns? Rom keeps being chippy. Any concerns there? What did he say this week that you're concerned about? Uh, just whinging more. Like he was saying about how the tour wouldn't have changed if not for Liv. Which that's I, true. I kind of, like it, oh. it, it, it definitely expedited the process, and they changed. Oh, that's a million percent you know, true. But he, like, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, he's just kind of, you know, he he continues to be kind of out front and chippy and and lobbing stuff at the tour. Does he kind of feel like the and maybe that's just by yeah, design? Does he kind of feel like the yeah. pretty girl that wasn't picked? You know, with Rory and JT kind of being the the faces a little bit. It, According to Luke Elvey, yeah. he is. Luke Elvey had an incendiary tweet. <laughs> that Rory right. got paid a bunch of money by the tour. There was like six uh, yeah, things in that table. one tweet that were like, oh, there's like, those are all illegal, I'm pretty sure, what you're implying here. Yeah. Elvey's sick. Like, truly sick. Like, deranged sick. Um, do you want to take us to the, uh, the, the War Council report, TC? Yeah, well, our man James Corrigan, friend of the program, he reported in the Telegraph that the War Council, quote-unquote, was to meet at the match this week as tour and majors prepare to discuss live. Uh, I thought, interestingly, he said it, was, is yet, it is as yet unclear if Fred Ridley, the chairman of Augusta National, will also be at the upscale course, which I find <laughs> ironic because this is Fred Ridley's <laughs> course. Um, but uh, I guess, like... This has been refuted, I guess, by people at the tour. But but they were saying Seth Waugh, Monahan, Pelly, Mike Wan, all planning to be in attendance there to discuss uh, kind of how how to handle uh, live moving forward, which would seem like kind of a a fraught thing anyway, considering the Department of Justice investigation and other pending lawsuits. Correct? Yeah, I I know of an, another meeting that's happening i believe this week of some kind involving at least some of these people so i i don't that would have surprised me if they're also meeting again at the match i also just i'm i'd be curious what why they need to meet now as far as i would guess a lot of the decisions and communications they've had over the past you know weeks months and years uh would have prepared them for this i don't i don't know what their action point is right now right and i really do think it should be up to the individual majors and not involve the PGA Tour in this or the DP World Tour to talk about their exemption criteria and make decisions on that. And I think if the PGA Tour is smart, based on the little, I'm not a lawyer, of course, disclaimer, I don't know why you would want it even perceived that you were involved in that part of the process, right? I think the PGA Tour, DP World Tour, Asian Tour, all the, you know, all these top tours and the majors should be all on the same page, get together in agreement about the ranking system that is used as part of the qualification criteria for both majors and their events. Like that is what the OWGR is. They should all be on this together. There's not, you know, again, to revisit it, like it's not like they the OWGR needs to be independent. This is the this is the board that has gotten together to say the world golf needs to abide by these criteria so that we can start to measure golfers playing all around the world. And it's live golfers that want this OWGR system to bend over backwards for them. And I don't see any obligation of any kind for that uh, OWGR to do that. Yet, at the same time, I don't think the PGA Tour needs to be involved in major championship uh, exemption and qualification discussions. I could, I, could, I could not maybe understand their role there, but that's what I would think would be the wisest for them. 
I just hope they're using protection, like burner phones. They need to be using <laughs> burners. <laughs> oh, anything else? Uh, you want to go to PIP next? You want to go Australian Open? Do you want to go? What do you want to do next? Just one more time. Like I, I still can't believe that that SBF was hanging out down at Albany this entire time, and there were like there were news reports up there with Tiger's yacht in the background. Like they, did, you know, just that's where he's at. Like it's crazy. Who do you think is the golfer that have most likely to have been caught up in the FTX collapse? Justin Rose. <laughs> really? No, I mean Bryson's probably, probably Bryson, Bryson, right? I would think yeah. so. Or Phil. <laughs> yeah. Not. It's like Colin I mean, Moore. Tom, I could see Tom Brady was I, caught I, up I in could it, see right? Colin Moore, Kawa. You know. Not your keys. Not your coins. Why? Well, use, Colin. use cold storage. Come on, guys. This is day one stuff. Well, yeah, day one feel stuff. Like Colin's a little bit of an empty vessel. You gotta. You, that's your boy, Come on, big. Come on. I know. I, I am tied to him, which I I have to ride for him. But I, mm, I could see him not asking maybe some good questions. Okay, we'll we'll revisit that. He's so polished. I feel like he asks exactly. all the good questions. It's. I think it. Yeah. We don't have. I'll eject from this conversation. <laughs> uh, so I, let's go to Pip stuff. Okay, we missed this last week because we did not have a recap. This came out uh, around Thanksgiving week. Tiger Woods wins the Pip. Uh, which went up to a hundred million dollars uh, for this year. He wins fifteen million. Rory wins twelve million in second. Spieth nine million in third. Then JT, Rom, Scheffler, Xander, Fitzpatrick, Zalatoris, and Finau rounding out the top ten. Colin Morikawa is eleventh yet again. Again, this time he gets three million dollars for it as the pep was expanded from ten people to twenty. Shane Lowry, he, he, Kevin, he got Kisner. a two million dollar haircut though. Like that, that had to piss him off. Right, like Finau got five million at tenth place. Colin gets three million in eleventh place. He needs to come do more podcasts. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, Shane Lowry, Kevin Kisner, Max Homa, Billy Horschel, all eleventh uh, through fifteenth. They get three million. Ricky Fowler, Adam Scott, Jason Day, Patrick Cantlay, and Victor Hovland uh, round out the bottom. They all got two million, and because the criteria will be slightly modified for twenty twenty three. Three additional players uh, would have that would have qualified with those adjustments all made the list as well and got uh, $2 million. That's Hideki, Cameron Young, and Sam Burns. All guys the PJ Tour would be very interested in keeping <laughs> that they added in this in and threw, uh, threw $6 million in total their way. Uh, probably smart decision, but year two of the PIP, where do you guys uh, where do you guys stand on all this and how this list shake, shake out, shook out? I mean, the fact that Jason Day got got chipped off i don't like i don't necessarily i don't i don't know what he did this year to kind of earn that like billy horschel getting chipped off for for uh riding for the tour being the being the director of comms for the tour uh also kind of a tough look for sam burns one one twice had a really good year and and you know finishes outside the top 20 i think yeah the jason day one was surprising tc i'm i'm with you with <laughs> i'm like I'm not sure if anybody's really thinking about him. Q score. He got – that's Q score. He is fifth in Q score, and he was not top 20 in anything else. What a disgrace. Any of the other categories. I thought yeah. the two positions that surprised me the most besides that, though, were Spieth being all the way up at three and then uh, Zalatoris at nine. I, I have to think. Literally, I, I wonder how much Zalatoris's putting stroke played into him finishing ninth <laughs> on the pip. 
Uh, he was Zalatoris was second in Nielsen this past year in terms of just that. That means TV coverage, basically. He got he was in just involved. He, he was second on that, only to Scheffler, uh, which caused a lot of it. He was way down, forty fourth in the MVP index, um, which. <laughs> This, Again, this which was created by right. Speed's dad. Speed's dad, which Speed <laughs> got fourth in that. JT got second in that one. Uh, Tiger got first in Google, first in Meltwater, first in Q Score, first in MVP oh, Index, forty first in Nielsen. Yeah, Meltwater. Um, How about? I mean, Cantlay has got to be pissed, right? Oh, got to be. He's always course. pissed about everything. Of course he is. But he he was sure sixth in the Nielsen, but thirty fifth in Q Score. What did mm. so? Hey, what did Lowry do? Is he just pulling huge numbers overseas? I would think so, but also pulling huge numb- numbies overseas would make me think Hideki should win this thing. Uh, I-, I still don't know if they're properly accounting for international. I-, I don't know. I don't know enough about how this stuff works, but Hideki not being in the top 20 of this is kind of, that, that kind of blows my mind. He's, um, yeah, he, Q score is not going to be one of the criteria in the ne- in next year's, but he was. Uh, 10th in Mark golf fans and Mark, uh, which basically is like a test uh, they do with golf fans. They hold up your picture and if you could name who it is, uh, whoever like wins that get the most recognitions wins the top of that, if you will. So, I mean, they should still be paying out Arnie then and, and Jack. You know? TC, that's a great point. Excuse, excuse me, Mr. Palmer and Mr. Nicholas. <laughs> I, think, I think that's a great, yeah. I love the pip. I, I think the pip is so oh, stupid <laughs> and so right for some sort of fraud or or misdeed uh, down the line that you know I just gotta I pray we get there one day. Do you think it's stupid that the tour does this, or do you think just overall this whole concept is? is I don't stupid? think it's stupid. I like I get the idea of of getting money to your most marketable players. So I, I I'm not sure like what a better way would be, but. This just feels very dumb. They should just lean into it and be like, hey, we're putting together. It's like the college football playoff committee. Yeah. Right? Like we're putting together a committee of like 10 dudes. And 10 Condi. people. Yeah. Right? Dude. Yeah. And Condi. <laughs> <laughs> Basically just get in a room, figure it out. Tell us when you're done. I think that might be what they do. <laughs> That's what I mean. It kind of feels like elsewhere. that. But instead of just leaning into like, yo, this is totally <laughs> yeah. subjective. They're they're trying to paint it all with this arbitrary, all these metrics, and I I don't know. It, it just all feels really phony to me. I feel like the list it, it represents. There's not. There's some surprise names up there, but also like some names that left for live this past year that would have been on there that I don't. You know, I don't think Hovland and Cantley would have made the list this year if Phil. And I mean, where Fox do you think Cam would have? Where do you think Cam Smith would have finished if, um, if he hadn't left? Like fourth, third? I would say somewhere around Scheffler. I would think. I mean, Scheffler won the Masters and a ton of tour events. Cam won the Players and and the Open Championship. Um, I would think somewhere around that. I don't think he's passing Rom. I don't know. I would think maybe six, maybe around six would be the highest Cam would have been. His Nielsen would have been off the chains, though. It would have, but I mean, passing Scotty was a big, a big effort. I don't know. We could probably, we might be able to get that information. I mean, he played the full season on the PGA Tour, so um, that you might know, be. You got to worry about his meltwater, though. <laughs> That's true. Right? He, I don't know if he melted hard enough. Uh, Rory won 8.6 million on the course this year, 18 million in the FedEx Cup, 1.7 in the Comcast Business Tour top 10, 
and $12 million in the PIP. Total earnings from the tour this year on course, $40.3 million. Which, to be honest, that feels right. Sure. Right? Like that, like LeBron's making, I think his salary with the Lakers is right around $40 million this year. Westbrook's like getting 47, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, it's, it's all, you know, granted, NBA is the biggest, you know, one of the biggest things in the world, but feels commensurate with the season that Rory had, right? I would think so. I mean, that's where it's like, you know, the dudes that are sticking around and staying on the PGA Tour and play, they're going to be... One, you got to play in all the elevated events that you're qualified for to get this full money, and all those elevated events are going to be twenty million dollars next year. Like these, these guys are going to be paid very well. It's not which it, it it has to factor into your decision. Like you're going to get paid better at live, but it's looking less and less as this you know these trends move forward. Which question for you is this the end of the road for Tiger in the pip? I don't think well, so. Th- that's right? what I was going to ask. Oh. TC. But if you have to play yeah. all the elevated events, I did not think about that. We might be. Or, or are you going to lobby for another exception? For the cat, cat gets all exceptions he I wants. Think, totally, totally. I think for we sure. need to start writing for Mr. Nicholas in the estate of Mr. Palmer then. Yeah. That is an interesting question about the cat. We may have to uh, – I'll dig into that this week, and I'll report back next week. How's that, TC? It's the cat's last stand. Um, I think they're going to just make it – if he plays the hero, he gets to keep all of his. So. <laughs> Quickly, before we move on, you can play your best golf with the Rapsodal Mobile Launch Monitor. The MLM is the number one rated personal launch monitor on the market today. It has incredibly precise measurements, remarkable accuracy. It's got data-rich visuals, performance combines. If you want to get way more out of your practice sessions, you need to understand the patterns of how you hit the ball. You may think that you hit your 9-iron a certain distance. I I cringe a little bit when I actually see my numbers because I like to pretend my irons go farther than they do. I said farther and not further there, TC. I'm really getting the hang of this one. Um, Growth, baby. I love it. We're on our way. It gives you a great radar after your practice session to show, you know, how many balls you're missing right, how many balls you're you're missing left. A lot of us tend to you hit a shot on the range that was really horrific, and you're like, oh, that doesn't count, right? And then you can look afterwards on this thing and see, like, how often you really are missing, how much you should be practicing. Randy practices with this all the time, every single day, uh, especially in the Denver winters. He's He just cannot get enough of this thing, so... Uh, the the mobile launch monitor from Repsoto is, is on sale for three hundred forty nine dollars now. It's it's small, fits on the outside of your be- golf bag, just like a rangefinder. And you can use code NLU at repsoto.com uh, slash NLU for a free premium subscription when you buy the MLM and the pre- premium subscription bundle. It's an incredible deal. It unlocks performance combines, insights, and visualization, slow mo replay, and so much more. Repsoto.com and use promo code NLU for a free premium subscription. Straight up, that's like. Three hundred. That's stealing. Fifty bucks for that. Like, if you don't know what you like, my wife asked me what I want for Christmas. I said I have no idea. If you don't know what you want, like, that's a good thing to ask for. Like, fantastic. Pretty powerful piece of machinery right there. TC, why don't you take us to? uh, We've talked a little bit about the Australian Open uh, already, but take us to uh, down under, down under, if you will. So first and foremost, it was the split event, right? So you had the ladies. You had the men, and you had the adaptive kind of all abilities, they call it down there, which was really, really cool viewing, I think, on Thursday and Friday. Now, I did hear some whinging from some players, and just watching the telecast, you could tell that they softened the greens up a lot, um, where, you know, I think it's something where, like, in the past, the USGA had the U.S. Open and U.S. Women's Open back-to-back at Pinehurst. Uh, You know, obviously, a little bit different setups for each of those, so it's a little bit 
you know, more of a degree of difficulty to set the course up, especially on Rock Hard, Kingston Heath, and Victoria, when you have, you know, the ladies coming in at far different trajectories. So I think, you know, some of the men struggled with uh, more spin than you would imagine uh, down on the sand belt. So uh, I don't know if this is, like, the best. Like, I love the concept. I don't know if it's the best concept for a national open. Like, in one of the, you know, it's a smaller field. Like, like one of the, because basically to do that, you have to do the smaller field. You got to do it split over the two days and everything. Obvi- you know, obviously two brilliant venues and both of them. There's some concessions inc- to be made for you know, it, correct. Incredible. Yeah, yeah. So I think, um, you know, that's, that just kind of goes without saying. I think it's, it, you know, it was a cool thing. They hadn't had the, the, the Aussie Open in a few years due to COVID. Um, so it was kind of a, a great, you know, they had great crowds out there. Weather looked awesome. Presentation of the golf courses looked fantastic. Uh, Adrian Moronk uh, won by five shots. Shots final round 63. He's like 28 or 29. Uh, he's from Poland. He's, he's making a run right now at the uh, European Ryder Cup team. Adam Scott looked like he was, he was going to be right in the mix. Shot 67 and lost ground mm. today. So three more guys, Minwoo Lee, Alejandro Canizares, uh, Hayden, actually four more guys, or no, three more guys, uh, and Hayden Barron qualified for the Open Championship via the uh, Open Qualifying Series. And then on the women's side, uh, Ashley Buhai won, uh, to kind of cap off a stellar year. Uh, That's a nice double with uh, the, with the women's British. Yeah, like that's a that's a about as classy on, on Muirfield, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Proper golf yeah. only. Yeah, one by one over uh, Gi Shin, and then Hannah Green, Grace Kim, Minji Lee rounded out the, the yeah top five there. I wanted to give a shout out to Marina Alex for going down there. She was one of the lone Americans in either field. Yeah, just kind of a you know like not an LPGA sanctioned event, so pretty you know like not a whole lot of. Uh, international stars kind of made the trip down on the on the ladies' side either. Uh, she also got in a little bit of a dust up uh, on <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I, I don't know if that was Saturday or Sunday, but like it's like a tradition to like throw your ball into the crowd uh, on the 18th hole. And I guess uh, whoever she was playing with, um, I think it was Grace Kim, like threw her ball and I th- it seemed like it like landed in a bunker and there was a big kerfuffle afterwards. And I don't think the handshakes happened. I think. Yeah, I don't know too much more about it, but I think it was Julian Sue maybe to okay, to, well, okay, to save Grace yeah. Kim from from that. Okay, <laughs> but I, yeah, it it was very weird because I just saw that one tweet and I was like, what? Like, there's got to be maybe some more to that. Um, but TC, I also want to say your girl Jennifer Cupcho is down there too playing. She was, she was. I, I, you know what? I had that in my notes, Randy. Hand up there. You know, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Jennifer Cupcho fan, but. Uh, credit where credit is due. That's, you know, I think there's... Uh, now, granted, the ladies, they played their biggest event of the year, or their, their season finale, two weekends ago down in Naples. And uh, so they're still a little bit fresher, I think, than, than a lot of the men are. But, um, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, it makes me happy when I see people flying down to Australia playing golf at the end of the season. Watching this brought back some of the best golf memories I have, which was going down with all you idiots. Uh, Randy, I know, listen... It's unfortunate you had to miss that one, uh, but playing some of the the best golf in the world, uh, Kingston Heath and Victoria. Victoria is like it, it's it's a grower. The second time I played that one, that back nine just blew me off my feet, 
and watching those pros play that 15th hole drivable par four that just represents so much brilliance of the game of golf left and and long of that green dips off greatly yet there's all these bunkers that cut up right up into the green you got to shape the shot right if you want to run it up onto the front of the green uh, watching some guys play long of that green, watch Cam Smith play just in front of that green, uh, an easy two putt for a birdie on that one. It's just, it's it's the best style of golf. Watch, look, seeing those bunkers just like look semi dangerous, cutting so far into the green that you're just afraid somebody's going to fall off into a bunker while reading a putt. Um, it's just, just absolutely world class golf, and I cannot wait to get back down there. And so sharp that you, like you could cut yourself. Probably could if you fall into one. Yeah, I, like. I, I almost had tears in my eyes watching this the other night. It was like it was straight up. Like the, the ball was bouncing on the fairways. The guys were playing all sorts of different different shots. Even watching the adaptive guys, it was like there was a, a stretch there, maybe six or seven minutes where there was like like somebody almost made a hole in one uh, on, on the ladies' side, and then Adam Scott was just absolutely flagging it. And then a couple of the of the guys in, in the, on the adaptive side were were hitting outrageous like sixty yard little little uh, you know pitch shots. It was it was so cool. Like this should be one of the biggest golf tournaments of the year, along with the Open Championship, the Masters, Riviera, etc. Like it's just like golf. Like, the thing that makes golf special is the fact that it's played on these different courses and different settings and different different parts of the world, you know, more so than say a, a tennis court is the same everywhere you go. So like professional golf should go to the best venues and the best stadiums in the world. And these are by far, I would say among the top, top five, top 10. Preach. Yeah. I, I, why the president's cup is staying in North America uh, for the next international version of it is <laughs> after that incredibly successful Royal Melbourne one just blows my freaking mind. I, yeah. Hate it. What did you guys think of, of the concept overall, though, between the men and the women? They, it was a, a lot bigger cut in the tournament. I thought it was really good television coverage. It looked like Golf Channel you know, and NBC slapped their own uh, commercials on top of the telecast, which uh, was a little awkward here and there. But for a tournament that I didn't need to know exactly what was going on at all parts of every golf course for all parts of the tournament and just watching the men and women play the course simultaneously and having two different tournaments and leaderboards to follow, it was working for me. I, I don't know if that's like a cut and dry blueprint that you can take back PGA tour LPGA tour with full field events like that and, and do it. But it was very, it was working for me what this format was this, this week. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, something that Beth Ann Nichols and I have bemoaned is the, the lack of a joint event between the PGA and LPGA tours. I think that's a glaring, glaring, uh, miss, by both, but I'll, I'll place more blame on the PGA Tour. I like having the secondary cut, right? Cut it down after the third round. I, I think that that leaves you with kind of the cream of the crop, smaller fields in each of the men's and women's events. But Sally, like you said, having two finishes, right, instead of just the one, gives you a better chance of at least one being really dynamite. Uh, and then the all abilities, of course, as well. So really, I mean, they had three tournaments going. I don't see why. You can't take that model and apply it uh, to a, to an LPGA PGA event. I think, like a lot of things, it's probably just want to and and being able to you know put aside some other stuff and figure something out, which they haven't unfortunately been able to do. Like there's there's no room to do anything like that with say like a twenty a twenty person event right. at like the Hero right. World Challenge. I know. <laughs> 
TC wants another. He wants the LPGA uh, players playing opposite the Australian Open too. <laughs> I think I forget who made this point recently that I hadn't really fully thought of it this way. But one of two things has to break for a PGA LPGA event: either the women have to play for way less money than the men on the course at the same time, which is not going to be great optics for anything, or the LPGA purse has to so greatly outpace normal LPGA purses that it like doesn't fit in to the to the realm of of the LPGA tour basically and and it just basically hurts other other events so much and it hurts the structure of the LPGA tour to the point where it's uh just one event is grossly outsizing the rest of the year um which yeah i, I don't know what well, what the path I, forward I would is say on that. i would say a, a mixed event is important enough to to have that be the case on the LPGA tour. I mean, if you look at their tour championship, it's like a $7 million purse for 60 people, which is very lucrative. The majors have all done a really good job or most of the majors on the, on the women's side really bumping up their purses. I I just think it's so important for <laughs> to to god, I hate saying this, but if you really want to like grow the game, right? Have the men and women competing on the same course, side by side. You know, fathers can take sons and daughters. Mothers can take sons and daughters. It, it just makes too much sense to not happen. I don't know. I was really disappointed seeing the schedules for 2023 that they didn't get it done. I think they, you got to pick the right course. Though. Like, And I think that's something with, like, the Australian Open that makes it even more challenging is, like, those courses have – bunkers in front of the greens in so many different spots that make it very very tough to set up uh, i mean shit let's start with the match yeah right can we get a co-ed yeah, match yeah. i know like that feels like pretty low stakes like way to test this yeah. out right I, I i'd be stunned if the next version of the, i don't have, I have no information on it but i'd be i'd be stunned if the next version of the match did because not have women i mean to to, to kind of bring it back to what like some of the live stuff we were saying earlier uh they're more than likely going to make. I mean, with the Aram, Aramco series, they're they're starting to make a play in women's golf, right? I think everybody expects them to make some type of play, and I guarantee you, what they're going to hang their hat on is joint events, right? Large women's purses for the women's events, having them coincide with with the men playing, and really, it's like they will be able to brag about that. It's going to be an embarrassing look for the PGA Tour when that happens. In my opinion, uh, Rory did a fantastic interview with, of course, Paul Kimmage, I believe, of the Irish Independent. He does these about every three years, uh, which seems like it's more frequent than that. I think he spent about six hours together. Uh, Paul Paul Kimmage has an incredible ability to to draw a lot of uh, emotion and information out of Rory, and uh, there's a, a, a lot to reflect on. But I'd like what jumped off the page to me in the early version that was published last week. Um, basically talked a lot about playing golf with Tiger around Ireland, and he basically gave Tiger COVID, which Tiger said he never tested positive for it, but was was feeling under the weather. But, of, of course, you can't hold Tiger down. He, uh, is <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah I, I just had a sinus infection, yeah. all right? <laughs> it's totally normal. Uh, this happened at San Antonio this past week, uh, past year, before the Masters. Rory said, I'd go to the range with a launch monitor, uh, and Harry might say, okay, nine iron, hit it 157. And I'd hit my numbers regularly when conditions were normal. Then I'd be playing somewhere in the wind, and I'd hit one approach shot over the green, and the next would be short. And I'd look at Harry and say, fuck, what is going on? San Antonio was the final straw. And Kimmich says, it was windy. And Rory says, yes. 
I went to the TaylorMade guys after the round, and I said, look, I'm done with this golf ball. I have no idea if it's going long or short. And they said, Bob McIntyre's in the field this week. He's playing an older version of your ball. Why don't you see how you get on with that? So I hit a bunch of them, the 2019 TP5X, on Thursday afternoon, and the spin rates were a lot more consistent. Then I played with it Friday and missed the cut, which was a blessing in disguise. He said, it's because it's a harder ball, and I was able to come back and spend two days here with Harry on the range, working to bet it in, putting with it, chipping with it, trying to get more comfortable. It was a massive change to make on the eve of Augusta, but it ended up being the best thing I did this year. There are some stats on it. Before Augusta, I was ranked 207th on the PGA Tour from inside 125 yards. And since Augusta, I've been ranked number one. Like truly almost the worst on tour to being the best on tour due to a golf ball change. Which like answers the question of like what what is going on with Rory's wedges? How could he not hit good wedges? It's amazing that it took him that long to figure it out, but I, I'm glad we at least have an answer to that question after so many years of screaming. Yeah, I guess I just got to say like, damn, man, like that's kind of a bad look that it took you that long to, you know, say something or, or notice something or, you know, also I'll say Bob McIntyre should be on the Ryder Cup team and have these guys play all shots together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was just a, a stunning thing to to reveal to the world. I mean, you could you could do that. One, I'm sure the sponsor's not too thrilled about this, but also like it just kind of exposes some poor decisions you were making along the way. And to, I I'm appreciative of Rory putting that out in the world. Neil, uh, I, th- I think Neil was asking the Callaway guys the same thing, and then they actually told him no. Like we've we've, we've got this down. It is your fault that it's this you. is happening. It's you. Tron, I thought, uh, sorry, real quick, Tron, I thought you raised an interesting question uh, when we were chatting prior to recording. The caddy situation has anything to do here, right? Would would a more quote-unquote established professional caddy, you know, drive Rory to this ball decision sooner? I, I don't know what the answer is, but I thought that was interesting, I guess. It's just, it's just like isolating variables, right? Like that's what that's what you're doing here. And it's it's not a it's not even a slight on on Harry. It's just it's like somebody who's been through this before with another player, you know, or in a in an esteemed career, somebody like a Bones or somebody like that. Like I'm sure there's been ball changes along the way, right? I would I want to say yes to that, Randy. Yet also in the same article, uh, he says that Tiger said uh, I, after the Ryder Cup's done, I'll help you with her wedges. I see something. And it took Rory six months to take Tiger up on that. <laughs> if literally Tiger Woods is trying to tell you something and you didn't want to listen, like I'm guessing that a, the, a caddy would not have been able to to move him off that. But uh, that was another super interesting thing that Tiger wasn't going to do it before the Ryder Cup. Uh, before the Ryder Cup, and then it took him uh, until Bay Hill, and he, he said he showed up at, at Bay Hill and told Harry, "Watch this." Um, after he had uh, uh, learned a few things with the wedge, but I hit the, I, um, I hit the shot. You- I hit the shot you taught me, Butch. (laughs) Butch, I hit the shot. Uh, Rory said this on money. He said, I remember sitting down with Philip Barker, my financial manager at Doral in 2012. I was 22 years old, and he said, okay, we need to set some goals. This is where you are now. Where do you want to be when you're 30? So we came up with a number, and I said, if we're able to get to that, that's me and my kids and their kids sorted. I I won't have a worry in the world. I hit that number at 25. So we reassessed and came up with another number to hit when I was 30. I hit that number at 27 and it gets to a point where when is enough enough? And, and Kimmich says, I guess it depends on the goal. Surely the only goal in life is to be happy. And he said, exactly. And do you think I was thinking about how much money I, I had on the Saturday night of the Ryder cup? No, of course not. Was I co- consoling myself with the check I made at the open when I didn't win the Claret jug? No, I was distraught. 
because that's not why you play. It's a sport, and I think with all the shite that's gone on this year that people have lost sight of that. And I thought that was just a, a well-summed-up look at everything that's going on to say, I mean, one, I appreciate him walking through, like, how much faster he got really rich. And, and there's a lot more detail in there about, like, how he wasn't that rich before he signed the Nike deal in, in terms of, you know, when he won the U.S. Open, again, it's it's relative wealth now, but, you know, the first time he'd, I think he'd seen 10 million pounds or something along like uh, those lines, which I would have thought he would have had a lot more uh, to that point. But uh, I have no idea what that number looks like now, but it's it's definitely enough. It's um, I, uh, I agree with Sully. I, I think it's, um, it's a nice quote, right? I, I think anytime athletes, prominent athletes, right, some of the best in the world – uh, can can offer such introspection and I don't know wisdom, right? I I, I think it's nice to read. I, I think Rory is certainly in a more unique situation than you know thousands and thousands of other professional golfers. But um, I'm I'm glad for his sake that he he really does. I I don't know. He's he's a human, right? And and I I do really like that about him. Rory's the best, man. And you know what? Like, like and, and like Harry, Harry seems the best too. I don't want that to come off from earlier as like no. Harry's doing a shitty job. Like Rory's got him on the bag for a reason and he's you know, and he and he helps him out, I'm sure, in fundamental ways that are that are extremely subjective too. Keeps him loose and, and you know, traveling with a buddy and all that. Like it's like, you know, by all accounts, like Harry is is accretive to Rory's career. So I just want to get that out there too. I just I read that quote. I'm like, Tiger would never let you have anything. That, that like none of this interview would happen with Tiger. It would all be such BS, and it's it's just all about as real as it as it gets. He he has some long quotes about um, Greg Norman. I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. He says he messaged Greg after the uh, the shark documentary aired on ESPN. Says you know what a, uh, uh, I'm going to send him a message. He said. I just watched your documentary on ESPN. I thought it was fantastic. It must have been very tough to do that. Hopefully, it reminds everyone of what a great player, uh, great golfer you were. Um, and you know, then the, he said there was another thing when I had my meltdown in, at August Augusta in in 2011. Greg sent a lovely message and had been really helpful to me. Um, and he said, uh, and continues in his text, watching it reminded uh, me of how you reached out to me in 2011. I just want to say that I'll always appreciate it. It meant a lot. I know our opinion on the game of golf right now is very different, but I wanted you to know that and wish you all the best. So he's just, you know, sending him a bit of an olive branch. And, you know, Greg replies, I think golf can be a force for good around the world. Great to see you playing well. I know our opinions are not aligned. I'm just trying to create more opportunities for every golfer around the world. He says, fine, really nice. Then a couple of weeks later, he does an interview with the Washington Post and says, I've been brainwashed by the PGA Tour. I'm like, for fuck's sake, we've had this really nice back and forth that he says that about me. I thought, you know what? I'm going to make it my business now to be as much of a pain in his arse as possible. It's like, hell yeah. Like we've, we've seen that since then, but just to spell it out, like I'm going to make it my business to be a much of a pain in his arse as possible now. And then so. Greg replied, what about China with that Nike deal, with, Rory? Which I do. I do just have to point out, uh, <laughs> we just got done saying, you know, why do you play? It's it's a sport, right? I'm, and then he's like, well, yeah, I'm going to be petty and getting Greg's ass too. It's like, come on, Rory. <laughs> but but some of that comes down to being competitive too. Yeah, right? yeah, and, yeah. And that's very know, human sure. as well. That that's a very human reaction. But I, the juxtaposition was was very funny to me. 
Um, and he says, yeah, uh, so as much as I'm anti-Live, I feel the PGA Tour have gotten lucky that Greg Norman has fronted this up. I think if they had found someone less polarizing, Liv could have made more inroads. Like Randy's guy, Mark King. Mark King, was a dream. <laughs> Just, that guy's got the biggest brain. God, I would have loved to have seen the ideas. <laughs> Lastly, uh, when did you find out Sergio had gone to Liv? He said, basically the week that he berated the rules official at the Wells Fargo in May. And uh, Kimmich says, how did you find out? He said... He said to me on the range that he'd gotten a new plane that if I wanted to ride to him to the first live event in London, I was welcome. <laughs> what an ass. God, Sergio, just like, like when you, just when you think he's, he's as unlikable as he possibly could be, he shows up on the Texas sideline oh, and then two weeks later, something else comes out and then Rory says something like that. And it just, it just keeps going to new, new, new levels. It's incredible. And there's more. There's way more in the interview. I highly encourage you to check it out. Paul Kimmage's interview in the Irish Independent with Rory. It, uh, that's that's it's lit a six-hour interview. It took two parts, two full articles on on Sundays to come out, and it's some of the best content uh, that, that that's out there. So thanks to both of them for doing that. You want to bring us home with some some notes you have here? Uh, yeah, TC? I just had some kind of news and notes. Uh, Mike Weir was named International Presidents Cup captain for the 2024 iteration in uh, Montreal that we're all so excited about. Um, I, there were three national opens this week. I wanted to make sure that that was uh, uh, communicated to the listeners, uh, South Africa, Argentina, and Australia. So that, I think that's unprecedented this year, at least three national opens in the same week. There were three ladies who went on a golf trip. I believe they were in Vegas and they each got a hole in one on the trip. Do you guys believe that shit? About that. I mean, that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> Are you accusing them of faking it? No, 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 I'm not. No, I'm just saying like <laughs> that's truly I'm crazy. Kidding. Although there was a guy that went out and allegedly set the course record at Chambers Bay, and a lot of people are asking some questions about that. Mm. Um, so there's there's some stuff on Instagram, Twitter. Is this about the that. fake Instagram video that was going around? Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, I didn't dig in too deep. Okay. Well, there was a, a this guy had this Instagram that went kind of nuts because it's like here's how I shot 64 at Chambers, and I thought it was a joke because like. In his second shot in the fairway, there's a divot right yeah. next to his ball that's like incredibly obvious. Yes. Okay. okay. I thought it was a joke. I thought it was like, oh, yeah, because there's a bunch of those videos that go out there that like somebody tops it, but they draw the pro tracer like it goes 380 yards. Oh, no, like this uh, guy, like, I don't know. I saw it on like Colorado Golf Blog, I think their Instagram. Somebody tagged me in it, and it was, I think he birdied 18 at Chambers. and But by all accounts, it sounded like it was completely being passed as, as legit and, oh. you know, it was not a joke, at least. Gotcha. So, well, we may have to dig it. Exactly. Um, and then uh, uh, the Augusta 13th hole vi- photos. I don't think we've talked about that yet. Um, we have not. It is uh, looking like it's uh, apparently the scorecard yardage says 545 um, for the 13th hole now at Augusta. Um, I saw some quotes flying around. Kisner played it. He said it, he thought he thought it was going to be terrible, but it's actually not that bad. Um, I, I'm, I'm guessing this is just going to lead to the, the, the ball not getting around that corner as much. And that shot's just going to be a lot longer, uh, into that green, which I think I was against it. And now I think I'm kind of like, you know what, just, you know, if you want to hit four irons from two thirty, you know, that's better than seven irons into this. Totally. Green, I guess. I mean, there's, there's, it changes the shot. The, the beauty of the shot was getting it around the corner and that being part of the art, Yet, um, it just has been dumbed down by technology over the years. But also, some of that is like the shot value. The second shot is going to be a hell of a lot better now. It, it like it, yep. it just pushed the shot value to the first shot before, and now it's like you got to hit two good shots again, right? It it also looks colossally stupid. 
to walk back yes. 80 yards from, from where this tee shot was hit in the early 90s to this spot and having to buy land from Augusta Country Club and rerouting. It just looks so dumb. Although some but, of that was also done to, to put in like that, you know, you got to talk about the logistics there too, right? The maintenance road, of course. <laughs> yeah. That was the main reason why they did it. You know, yeah. they got to refill the concessions and all that stuff. <laughs> it was a choke point. A lot of live schedule, venue stuff from what we can see. Dove Mountain, the International... Mm. Centurion. Are these fact? Are all these fact? Or are these? I, I think no, know, no. These are. Are we reporting any of this? We got the tracker accounts are going to pick up on this. We'll, if we'll get to the tracker to accounts suspect. in a little bit. Okay. Uh, you know, Dove Mountain is is uh, that's just rumored. Uh, I think the international is coming back. Centurion in London's coming back. Doral's coming back. Uh, Solly stopping in West Virginia with your guy Jim mm-hmm. Justice at the Greenbrier. That's been rumored. Bedminster. That's happening. That's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, think, I think we we, we we knew that was happening when they first announced live, you know, two or three years ago. Um, Singapore, Sentosa, uh, Rich Harvest Farms again. Um, Adelaide, that one's been uh, announced. I, I guess Trump DC is in the mix. Valderrama is in that, the mix. That's happening. Okay. Trump, it's not announced, but that's happening as well. Mayakoba and then uh, potentially Oklahoma, Cedar Ridge Country Club, which... Uh, Bunky labeled as a as a borderline second tier, <laughs> likely third tier course in the area. So I hope they um, bring as much military equipment to that West Virginia event as humanly possible. <laughs> a military tribute of selling arms, like to the everything. Saudis. I want it to be like a North Korean military parade that week. <laughs> I I. I'm as into following all the live details as possible, I feel nothing. Look at their at their schedule. I just don't know. There's just nothing interesting to me about it. I, I was, I guess, hoping for. I don't know. I, I, I that's where I feel like people are going to get really bored with this thing in year two. It's such a whiff. Yeah, unique about it. Yeah, like it's such a whiff. It's crazy. I'm like, you know, and I know it's tough to line up, you know, events and stuff. But when you're splashing a ton of cash around, that 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 at least makes it a little bit easier. Now, um, rumors circulating down in Melbourne that the tour uh, is, is being leaned on by um, uh, the Victoria, like the, the head of the government in, in Victoria, uh, who's a member at Kingston Heath. And so Royal Melbourne and Peninsula Kings would have been told that they're out of the running for uh, the President's Cup and uh, Kingston Heath will be getting the President's Cup. But that's not confirmed. That's just a rumor. And uh, I've been told from people at the tour that that's not true. So... We'll see what happens, but, you know, there's some horse trading going on because one of the concerns is that Royal Melbourne then will, will align with, with, with Liv, potentially. Mm. So, That'd uh, be a little, seems like a yeah, very be a little bizarre tacky fit. for Royal Melbourne, if I may. Yeah. 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 Um, the PGA Tour, they're hiring a big dick lobbyist. Uh, and a pers- close personal friend of, of uh, Kevin McCarthy. You're Kai, Randy. <laughs> yeah. Um, this guy's name is, uh, let's see here. Uh, what's, what is his name? Miller, Jeff Miller of, 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 of the lobbying firm Miller strategies. Mm. So, um, you know, and then, uh, Solly, we played PGA Frisco this week. We did we- fields ranch played the East course, the Gil Hans course, which will be hosting uh, future men's and women's major championships. Um, th- what were your thoughts, TC? I loved it. I, I was I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, front nine's good. There's some variety out there. Uh, fifth hole's a, a ball buster. Uh, kind of that five, six, seven stretch, and then back nine is like pure cocaine. 
not that I've ever, not that I would know what cocaine is like, but it is, it is like, it is unbelievable, man. I mean, like the, there's this crazy short four, was that 15 up the hill? There's a couple of great par threes. There's some, there's some wings on these greens that you can tuck. There's one of the most sexual grass bunkers I think I've ever seen up the right side of, what was that? Six, six or seven there? Six or seven. Yeah. One of those. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I loved it. It was, it was fantastic. It is what I, I need some more time to digest it. You know, we were, we were playing with the dudes, which we can talk about as well, but it's what I would imagine the future of like major championship golf looking like, and that it was wide. There was not a lot of rough to speak of, and it was going to be fast. It was going to be firm and it is uncomfortable. Like there is, it's a lot of space to tee off. There's going to be, it's going to be a long golf course yet length is not going to rule the day because that first hole just hits you in the face with. All right, cool. Pound your drive. Now you got to drop one down an elevator shaft to a green that tilts away from you. And if you bail to one side, you're in the gunch. And if you bail to the left, you're going to be chipping out of a deep bunker to a downhill lie to a tiny green. Just everything was about like, okay, I don't, I, I'm, we, we've tried the long, narrow, deep, rough thing. Like we're going to try something different here. And Gil is going to piss some people off along the way. It's probably going to piss some pros off, probably going to piss some resort guests off with, you know, when they hit it into ravines that they didn't know were there, but just there's a, there's just always something in your way, right where you want to hit it. There's something in your way. And uh, I want to play it five more times yeah. to fully digest it. But I was really, really impressed. The par fives it. are great. Like it's going to be so good for a Ryder cup. Uh, it, like the way that the routing kind of builds to uh, really, really uh, some big decisions around, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15. Uh, and then I think the other big takeaway uh, there on that similar thing is just, Randy, I saw the Solheim Cup is looking at Valhalla, Whistling Straits, and Oak yeah. Hill just for the I next know. American iteration. It seems like there are six Not courses good. that host, like, everything here, at, at least, like, Ryder Cup, Solheim Cup. I know. I It's... Real a, a chance to go somewhere really cool and unique and special and uh, yeah, I have a, a, a take that you, you're not gonna like. Okay, that the course Valhalla might be Valhalla might be great for that. I, yeah, stadium seating, a a the the size of that town. People showed out so hard in 2008 when they had a Ryder Cup there. Um, I, Whistling would be my it's probably the best golf course of those three, and that would be my last pick. Um, because I just don't think it's a good team event venue. And I think Valhalla sets up weirdly good for a team event. I, I think stadium seating is so freaking important for these kind of things. I just think about it. I'm like, man, like, can't, can't we do something that's, that's unique to the ladies and, and a place I that agree. the men can't go play because it's too short? There's so many places like that, right? Yeah. I, I, I'm guessing that money rules the day here. There's got to yeah. be a reason why. Valhalla keeps yeah. getting events. So I, I will listen to that though, um, Sully on Valhalla. I, I I it's produced good tournaments, I think, right? I and I I vaguely remember like in the Ryder Cup way back when. So I don't know. Maybe that's unfair for yeah. uh to d dismiss that one. It would not be my first pick, but it might it might be a fun atmosphere, I think. So also the golf courses don't matter that much in these team events, less so than majors, I would say. So um but yeah, we, TC and I played golf and hung out with the dudes for a couple days down in Dallas. The guys from Dude Perfect, 
Uh, I got a lot of questions about that on, on Instagram, but we're not collabing with them. <laughs> we're, we were just we're selling the company to the dudes. <laughs> we are kind of uh, uh, shadowed them for a couple of days just to kind of see their their content's obviously very different than ours. They do a lot of stuff for kids and rubbed weirdly rubbed a lot of golf people the wrong way when they played golf at Augusta National and videoed it. Or sorry, they played the All Sports Battle at Augusta <laughs> National and filmed it with Bryson. Um, but we they were they were gracious and uh, spent a lot of time with us and just good to spit some ideas off them and. Uh, Learn some best practices from five other dudes that are making making content in some way and have some golf connections. And um, we had a, a great time hanging with them and, and learning a lot from them. It's incredible energy that they're able to bring on a daily basis to, to their content. And man, it was a live. Uh, we sat in on their Amazon live telecast from their studio. And holy crap, is that an enormous operation? That was fantastic to experience. Yeah, that was, I mean, I probably even more complicated than anything I've ever seen as far as the telecast goes because it was so um, not only are they bringing in like the live stream of the football game from Foxborough but then they also had everything you know 20 cameras set up within the building it was it was wild a lot of hard cameras a lot of soft cameras Randy there was there were there were whole vats or, or uh, dunk tanks full of milk um, you know, like a thousand gallons of milk that they dunked each other into oh, sure. just it was it was wild it's a crazy, crazy scene. They were extremely gracious, learned a lot from them, and, uh, yeah, enjoyed playing golf with them, too. I didn't want to turn this into the trap draw, but, uh, TC, I do plan on asking you much more about the dudes in your trip to <laughs> Dallas on this coming week's trap draw. I will say, did you guys... Please. Did, yeah. There's did you guys tease. get some pointers on... I know we want to build our our big $300 million uh, headquarters somewhere, hopefully have a city pay for it. Did you guys get the... It's a hundred million, Randy. Did you guys get all the deets on that? Are we good? We did. We did. They've got the guy that that, that built SoFi doing it. Uh, And uh, I I think, you know, there's there's some forthcoming news on that front. We saw all the renderings and all the the mock-ups and everything, though. Oh, boy. So... If uh, they're allowed me to invest in that, I would like to personally, because that's going to be an enormous <laughs> hit, right? Like, I'm serious. It's such a <laughs> tremendous idea. Save that for the trap draw. You can um, invest your Bitcoin. I, 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 did, I, I didn't get a chance to stop by uh, TPC Craig Ranch uh, while I was in Dallas, uh, right down the road from, Next trip. from them in Frisco. I, I, I also saw J.J. Henry teaming up with uh, a former Nicholas associate to uh, collaborate on a golf course outside of Fort Worth. Mm. Um Huge news there. You better have purple. And it better be something purple or the logo. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, shout out to JJ that the TCU Horned Frogs made it into the the uh, the uh, playoff. Solly, Solly, what do you think about the playoff? The four the four teams. I'm so confused as to what's going on. I've read on Twitter that Ohio State wasn't going to make it in on on Tron Carter at NLU, and now here they're they're they in got, it. I'm I'm very they confused. Got crowned. Yeah, crowned. Yeah. Yeah. Big nut. Uh, and then uh, uh, we made it an hour and a half before the trap draw started. I want to shout out at Luke Smith dot two nine on uh, Instagram. He's up in Canada. He tagged us on his Spotify thing. You know how everybody does those uh, most listened to stuff or, you know, here was my five most listened to podcasts of the year. Here's the total amount of minutes. Uh, he did 31,496 minutes of this podcast, Whoa. the no laying up podcast, which is the equivalent of 22 days. Like twenty-four hour days, twenty-two, twenty-four hour days. Mm. I mean, is that uh, that's got to be a more than a year's worth of pods? Right? Can we send him something? Can we send him some merch? Yeah, can, can we, we send him a restraining order? Can we send yeah, him I'll... a sorry card? I'm sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sorry, sorry. 
and then last, greatly appreciate that. We'll send you yeah. some merch. How about that? And then last thing I had, I would just like to reiterate, to reiterate the fatwa on nuclear golf and all the tracking mm. accounts. There, a lot of people retweeting their stuff. That you know, all they're doing is just repurposing the stuff that actual reporters and outlets and um, you know accounts are 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 putting out there and then they're they're aggregating it and passing it off as their own and you know in a lot of cases some of these live tracker accounts doing so very dishonestly as well thank you thank you tc <laughs> also while mixing in rumors that's the part that makes it yeah uh extremely extremely challenging but um that'll be breaking news tomorrow i'm sure oh <laughs> I'm you know sure what last that. thing i can't believe we didn't talk about this last thing oh, no i sent you guys the the uh, video of the guy freaking out down in Australia. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. I mean, that was the highlight of the week. <laughs> what, what, what was the lead up? What, what caused it to get to that point? Do we know? I think that, so. It was the club. It was like the, the C tier of their club championship at, uh, I don't know, some, some club around Melbourne. Uh, and th- I think some, the, the guys up, up ahead had somebody watching. And like the people watching didn't, I don't know if they didn't speak English or, or what, but like this guy like kept hitting into them and then didn't, I don't know, like he just lost his shit yeah. basically. Yeah. And, uh, you know, went nuts. There were all sorts of great one-liners in there that I plan on incorporating into my lexicon. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then he, then he flips out, you know, for like two minutes and the guy's filming it. And then, and then he, he tries to hit a shot. He, he chunks the shot and then he, you know, and then he, he, he takes it out on his push cart. It was just fantastic. Some of the best content in all of 2022. <laughs> it was great. The, the chunk like wedge was just <laughs> chef's kiss. The last thing I have, and I think this hat, this, uh, I just read this in Joel Beale's article on Golf Digest, which I think it came out as we were starting this. But uh, Norman did speak in response to uh, Tiger's comments this week. He said, uh, when the monopolist territory is getting threatened, they're going to rear their ugly head and do what they do. But from my perspective, I've always taken the high road this year. Wow. I will continue to take the high road because I believe in our business model. I believe in our people. I believe in the players' independent rights. And we've already seen a dramatic shift in our audience. Surely you jest. Uh, he also said, I pay zero attention to McElroy and Woods, right? They have their agenda for whatever reason. They're saying whatever they want to say. It has no bearing or effect on me. I'm going to be with Liv for a long, long period of time. Third leg, Greg, Just, always taking the high road. That's what he's known for the most. So I'm not going to ask if you guys have anything else because this is an hour and 40 minutes about the Hero World Challenge, and uh, it is time to dig into Sunday Night Football, if you will. So the I'm going to thank you both. Thank you both for your time. Thank you, of course, to the audience for listening. Uh, we'll be back to talk about the match some next week, which we, we didn't really talk about on this, but that uh, is next Saturday night. Uh, Tiger and Rory versus JT and Spieth. That is probably going to be some entertaining TV. I'll be watching that one. And so, we've got Taurus go, Sauce. I think I'm going to go over. Yeah. Uh, Sweet. And then I'm, and we've got Taurus Sauce Wednesday night, uh, episode six from... Barcevac. Big match. Yours truly versus Neil. Randy, anything you want to say? Uh, Kane versus Abel. I, I think I think truly yeah. both of you guys really, really want this match. So it should be good television. And I found the claw. And you did find the claw, which so. I am proud of you. Welcome. Welcome, TC. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll see you back here next week. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's... Better than most. How about him? That is better than most.
Better than 